Blog Talk She's Radio. not here yet. Ay, ay, ay. Stroll through the picture What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done Good evening and welcome to the Star Child Abuse Now Show. This is scan number 3280. Okay. Well, tonight we're going to have a really, really good uh, show. We have a, a very special guest, and I'm so happy that she's here. Okay. And um, hello, Pamela. How are you doing? Hello, Miss Carol. I am fantastic. How are you this evening? Mm, hanging in, hanging in, hanging out, whatever. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm really happy that you're here. And um, so, you know, what I do, you know, when I have a guest is I really let them tell their story the way that they want to tell their story. Um, I do have a bio in front of me. and uh, But I, I, I might pick from the bio a little bit, but most of the time I let you tell your story your way, and then we speak about what you're doing today. But the first thing I have to do, though, I have um, I have Lori here. She's my co-host, and uh, Philip is here also. So what we're going to do is let me read the uh, mission statement, and we'll go from there. We have a singleness of purpose at NASCA, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so two different ways. And number one is educating the public, especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and it does. Number two is offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Okay. Now, that's a little bit of what, you know, NASCA does. We do a lot more than this, but um, I think I should run a new mission statement. <laughs> but anyway, the point is you get the idea. And prevention, intervention, and recovery is uh, really a, a basic foundation of uh, what we do, what we offer, you know, the public. And we do that in all different kinds of ways by having the platform here for people to come on and tell a story, right, like Pamela's going to do. And um, she is a therapist, and uh, she's also an activist, and she is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and trafficking, okay, something that's a big issue today. Always been an issue, but today it's much more so. So we offer an awful lot for people, and I do want to mention quickly our um, our website, 
That's NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A.org, NASCA.org. And if you go to it, you will see all different kinds of things you can learn from. And I suggest that everybody learn the red blocks. Just, you know, scroll down to the red blocks and open them all up and see what they have to offer, okay? Because um, in today's world, parenting has got to change. Um, you have to teach them about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you can find that information all the way over to the right of the red blocks, not the last one, but the one night next to it. And that's for our children. And you open it up, you click onto it, protecting our children. And uh, everything, you have all different kinds of articles, how to learn to talk to your children about what's going on in the world today. All right. This isn't anything new, some of it, a lot of it. We know this with the sexual abuse and all that. But to teach them the red flags of what to um, look for in adults and also in older siblings. All right? It's important. So um, anyway, I you know, offer that to you because I think it's something that we should all really look at. All right. So I'm going to go to our guest now, Pamela Olson. She is from Sacramento, California. And again, she is a therapist and an activist. And I'm not going to say any more because I want her to tell her story. Okay? Okay. Thank you, Carol. What a beautiful opening. I'm so glad to be back here with all of you. It has been a few years. I think Carol had said it was 2020 the last time I was on. And so much has happened in just these past three and a half years that I was um, – almost stunned when she reached out and uh, asked me if I would like to come back on. Absolute beautiful group, have nothing but love, and sending love to our uh, fearless leader, Bill Murray. My name is Pamela Olson. I am the founder of Save Our Children. It has been open for eight years. In the last seven, it has been active. I have brought home 50,000 children up out of foster care and walked them back home. I also have um, many family law cases that we have helped conquer to keep children safe, especially within a topic that we are all so too familiar with. That would be pedophilia and the aggressive preying that any type of incest or pedophilia or even bestiality and pedophilia as it is now known today. I don't know how many of you have seen in the news, but it's almost daily we have at least a half dozen stories coming out of pedophile rings being picked up. This is waking up the American people to a topic that many of us have suffered and labored under. As a young girl, I I was born and raised in Downey. I, I was born in Downey, but I was born and raised in L.A. County, California. I have lived in Sacramento these last, my gosh, almost 40 some odd years uh, with my husband and three children. We've been married 39 years last August. So, wow, almost to the big 4-0. Uh, I started life as a professional nurse and then counseling. And I did that because my childhood, much like many of yours, this will sound like an AA meeting of, of, of sorts, I was abused from the age three onward all the way up until I got married at 18. At three years old, my uncle, who has now passed, uh, molested me. It was more uh, oral sexual copulation, and that was my first uh, foray into pedophilia. Uh, any child knows. You walk into your home that, that you uh, have lived in with your parents, and there's something different in the air. We catch a certain smell as adults, and we'll take our minds back to a certain time when something horrible happened to us as a child. What I want to tell you today is a walk 
of the blessing of forgiveness. I just helped my mother pass away. My mother was my trafficker. She began trafficking me at 14 years old in order to pay uh, bills for the house. This is not uncommon. This is not unusual, especially in this day and age. It was uncommon in the time that it happened. Uh, to me, it was still something very tap- taboo. We're now finding um, our, our officers are picking up and able to get large rings of people who have been doing this now for generations. Pedophilia is nothing new. It is the oldest sin in this world. We can go all the way back to Noah, for heaven's sakes, and there is a reason we don't speak about one of his sons. His son liked to touch other people's kids. If you've ever not heard Trey Smith, I do suggest him. He describes especially this sin. And Baal worship and Moloch worship, it has always been a war for our children. You as adults and survivors are the absolute perfect voice for, the, for a time. This. When I was, uh, I, I would have to say about nine, I tried to approach both my mother and father about what was going on with my uncle, who was only six years older than I was at the time. It was my mother's youngest brother. At that time, no one wanted to listen to a child. I am a Gen Xer, so it was go and take a lap. Oh, you know, what are you running on about? In today's world, my cries as a three-year-old and a 14, 15-year-old would now at least be heard and more than likely acted upon. Back then, it was a dirty, filthy, taboo, disgusting, you'll never have a normal life if you let this out about yourself all completely untrue. This more has to do with ego and embarrassment and control over generations that had no control over what was happening to their children. This happens in every race, every culture, every faith, and in both genders. This is now something, unfortunately, we have as many female pedophiles as we do males. Sadly, in this last seven years that I have worked and helped to bring children home, I have spoken to many young victims that have endured some of the worst abuse I have ever heard. In my own view, even though I was uh, sexually and physically horribly abused, more by my mother, my father was an alcoholic and absent from the home. He was very rarely home. So my parents divorced, and I was 12 years old, and we moved to Sacramento, California. That is when the abuse really ramped up. As most of us know, any type of large social change within a family structure Oh, man, it becomes hell for uh, children. So once we moved here, my mother found it very difficult in in 1977. uh, It was that first huge wave of divorces that swept through the nation. For those of you who uh, have lived here in the United States during the late 60s and the 70s, it was a tumultuous and very difficult time, not much unlike the time that we're currently in. In this time of confusion, parents did not keep an eye on their children. They were overly preoccupied with politics, their jobs, their uh, day-to-day just trying to get through. They didn't want to sit and listen to children. Today, we now look at a conversation at 14, 15, three years old, nine years old, and those conversations we would hope would be very, very different in today's new understanding that this is prolific. It is the biggest and largest crime that is pervasive across this nation and across the globe. We lose 800,000 
American children not even involved with any type of service like CPS or family law, and they simply go missing. We believe that we have these entities like DHHS and CPS and family law, and we have NECMIC, which is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. When I tell you all of these services are gatekeepers in order to ensure that pedophilia is not demonized, I am here to be your, your canary in the coal mine. We're there. Pedophilia is trying to be normalized at an incensing rate. I cannot understand how all of a sudden people are looking at pedophilia and saying, oh, well, that's, that is a sexual preference. They're born that way. In very much the same way we hear terms of LGBTQ, we are born this way. If that is indeed true, why is it no science save the German pedophilia back in 1950 who actually came up with let's normalize pedophilia as a means to take it out of the closet and air it out into the sun? Unfortunately, it got perverted and changed into an entire mockery of pedophilia and instead now being upheld as a, a, uh, a means of a normal sexual context for a human being. This is how far we've come from those of us who were harmed to those who are now being harmed. These children now are saying, so-and-so did this to me, and they're having caseworkers and or parents saying, well, but that's okay because he or she is transgender. We just had a young man that's transitioning, a transitioning male, female to male, who is using the fact that they took too much testosterone and then filmed themselves harming 25 toddlers at a daycare center that was out in the news yesterday. This is where we are as a nation. So while we hurt, it is going to all of our voices, it is going to help quell this pain within the next generation who are truly being feasted upon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hold on a second. Let me let me think about. First of all, just slow it down a little bit. <laughs> you're you're like me. You're like an encyclopedia. <laughs> I do the same thing because I do a lot of research, and um, and of course you know all of this. So and uh, and and you work with it hands on. Um, I think it is outrageous the type of world that we're living in today. Yes, um, this isn't anything new. It happened many, many years ago. I, too, was uh, from the age of 6 to 17 uh, sexually abused, and it was by family and also outside of family. And um, and the court system is just plain not a, a good place to go for anything, okay, as far as I can see. Um, mm-hmm. Because when these pedophiles do get caught, family, you know this, if they do get caught, they don't get the time that they deserve. And if they're a first-time offender, they get less time than what they should get. Uh, there's so many things that need to be changed in the law and then also in family court. Forget about it. You know, it's who you know, um, who you can pay off. And, and it happened in front of me in my own eyes. Um, I had divorced my husband, um, my children's father, and I took him to court because he was coming over for Sunday visitation rights, and he was so drunk. I didn't want my kids to go with him, okay? Yeah. So yeah. I took him to court to try and get, to, now this is what happened, I, I, to try and get my children not to have to go with their father on Sundays because of the way he was behaving. Um, well, while I'm standing in court, and I might say that I didn't have an attorney, um, 
this man walked into the courtroom, went over to the judge, handed him an envelope. The judge looked inside. Case closed. It'll remain the same. Sunday visitation's mm. intact. Yeah. Mm. So you see, yeah. So I, I thankfully, um, he only came over two or three more times after that. I think it was like I'm going to show you that type of thing, you know, that type of mentality, because he didn't care about his kids. He couldn't care less. So you see, there are parents that are really no good, and then there are parents who are good where terrible things happen to them, where their children are actually taken right from them. And we know about mm-hmm. this today even. I mean, that's in the news too. And I, I'm a news buff. I'm very political. <laughs> I don't talk too much about politics on here, but I can always swing it around to child abuse because the children do suffer one way or another. They suffer from all the things that are going on today. And with the trafficking, forget about it. I saw that movie that was out. You must have seen it too, or if you didn't, you should go see it. Um, you know, so uh, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, I was going to say Sound, the Sound of, of Silence. Yeah, it's the sound of freedom. Yeah. I always keep that song yeah. in my head, the sound of silence. I love that song. But no, it's the sound of freedom. So, um hey, I'm I'm Miss Tuffy, okay? <laughs> On this show. And Miss Tuffy was bawling at the end. All right. Aww. Yes, yeah. I was. Because if you saw that movie at the very end with the little girls laying on the bed, and she's trying to play act like um, she's being scared by the good guy. I'm not, I don't want to give too much because I want people to go see this movie. But I'm laying there thinking, my God, she looks just like me from when I was that age. And, and, and she was so frightened. And, and it's just horrific, uh, you know, what happened to that child and to all the children who are trafficked out. And I was kidnapped and raped when I lived in New York. And a lot of, I'm not, not you and everybody, many people on um on NASCA, Bill included, of course, where um, he, he was kidnapped and raped, and, and he was trafficked out because he was gone for two weeks. I was gone for a little over three hours. And um, he would drop me back off at one end of the driveway and pick me up at the other. That's what happened. So this mm. monster, he was a monster. And I was one of 14, okay? Mm. And he got three years, and he was out in a year and a half, because his wife was petitioning the court, you know, that they didn't have enough money for their children at home, and they needed him home, and he got it. He goes out in a year and a half. So mm. I know about injustices, you know, with the system and the, and the court system, and I'm so glad that you're here today to uh, to talk about it. You know, you speak about the public schools, and, of course, that goes back to um, what's going on with the kids today with the gender. You know, I just have, look, you look down, this is what I always say, and, and I stand by it. If you look down and you have a penis, you're a boy. You look down and you have a vagina, you're a girl. And if you can't mm-hmm. deal with your sexuality, go get help. All right? And while I'm not go. a Ph.D. biologist, I have to agree with you on that. That's how we were yeah. taught. I started uh, uh, life as a nurse. So mm-hmm. from my own training, I'm watching this horrible psyop of emotional twisting. To children, nine times out of ten who are saying they're transgendered, have been abused sexually. This is now mm-hmm. one of the signs. I don't want to be a little girl anymore. Well, no, because someone's going to come and hurt you. I watched a video not too long ago. It was of two years ago, a little girl trying to tell her grandmother how the new stepfather was sexually abusing her. 
with even blood in her underwear, and no one wanted to listen to this child. The same taboos are there. It's very hard for three, four, five, 14, 15, 16-year-old to tell their parent. It's much easier to tell someone else, but to tell their parent have been abused in the most awful of ways. And what I want you all to start using is murder in the spirit. Title 18 of our federal uh, article lays out the crime of murder in the spirit. And what is murder in the spirit? Well, we see a lot of this in foster care. We see a lot of this in in heavy incest and, and pedophilia cases. That child will never be the child it was before that that horrible abuse began, meaning you've altered this person's life. Now, with that in the back of your heads, my mother's cancer came back. The last three and a half years, I was going in between my home and uh, her home. In the last nine months, we just moved in. I was able to take this woman who was my bonded parent. I never really bonded with my father. He's an alcoholic. He's rather abusive. He doesn't even like children, never wanted them. So he's almost a a not real father. Um, With my mom, I was able to through with what her brother did and then the trafficking, which I think probably sat on her heart the hardest. She had lied to herself saying, oh, well, this is a boyfriend-girlfriend scenario. I don't know many 14-year-olds that date 26-year-olds. Do you? Being raped, being beaten by this man who was a uh, Middle Eastern man and being Mm -hmm. passed around to his family, being made to wear a hijab, being Mm -hmm. beaten as though I were a woman who lived in the Middle East. These are all traumas I went through from 14 to 16. My uncle came back into my life right around 17. Now, I was no longer a little girl. He now wanted to consummate a relationship between a man and a woman. I beat him within an inch of his life broke his nose, and got out of there. That day is when I realized I was no longer a victim. I was, I was 17 and empowered, and I do not know other than God himself gave me that power. It was not happening. I wasn't going to put up with it anymore. I had had enough. Many children right. do get to this age, and it's a breaking. It, it, it's a breaking away, but it's also a break apart of you. Now you are no longer anything you were originally going to be without the abuse. 17 to 19, I did all of the hard work to get myself into school. By the time I graduated at 22, I was one of the youngest licensed nurses here in California, and I was California's PMT writer for most things medical. I found relief within my profession. I was able to become a nurse to not only find out what the body does, but what the mind does under trauma. And it helped me greatly to understand what had happened to me because nobody was going to talk to me about it. Not even a therapist will get into it. So by the time I was 25, I had a very good feeling of, all right, this is what's happened. This is what happened to my brain. Let's get healthy. So from 25 to 35, I worked very hard to mentally and spiritually become as healthy as I could become. I never could get to the forgiveness part of it. I couldn't get it off of me. It still rode me. You feel like the dirty piss bag. You know, you don't ever want to tell anybody. The embarrassment, the, all of it. it, it absolutely will just put a stone right into your gut. It also happened that right uh, just before I turned 30, I became very sick. I have been disabled these last 22 years. I uh, bite the back of my right leg 
and literally it has crashed half of my system. I have something called RSD, or you might know it better by CRPS, C-R-P-S. God gave me the time in this, especially the first 15 years where I was mostly bed-bound, almost passed away a few times. Um, This was a time God gave me to study and research. This is a time that God gave me to let out all the pain. This was a time that God gave my mind, without being busy in the world, to digest everything that had happened in my life because, unfortunately, being abused sexually was the least of my, my life's problems. I had an alcoholic, angry father. I had a, a sociopathic mom who could lie and, and even make God believe her. It was absolutely the most toxic relationship. And the older I got, the more and more help she would demand of me to try and keep me closer to her. So in this last uh, nine months that I was with her, she and I had several really good conversations. And not only did I get a hug, and not only did I hear I'm proud of you and I love you, but she actually said, I'm sorry. That healed more of me than I ever thought possible, even with all the work I had done. And this is just last year. I'm uh, 57 years old. So mm-hmm. watching her then pass away, I didn't even have the, we, we, we didn't have a funeral. She didn't want a funeral, didn't want to wake. I am probably the most pain-free in my heart and mind and spirit. I am released. I barely even remember the abuse at this point. I really have to concentrate on. It's always there. Of course, we can always pull it up, but it no longer affects me emotionally. It no longer affects me spiritually. If anything, it is something I can look at now and go, I survived. I survived and yeah. walked up out of it. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I can. I want to get Lori on and, and Philip if he wants to, you know, talk. But. Um, when I wrote my book, I was detached from it. I know what you mean by that, okay? Because it was almost like me looking at a little girl who had gone through all kinds of stuff in her life, starting at a very early age, because first it was domestic violence, blood flying all over the place, all this stuff, at the age of four. And, and um, seeing all these things, because my father was an alcoholic, too, as I knew him to be. Thank God for ancestry. He's not my father. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, yeah, it, I, I don't know. That's the, but that's the way. I'm happy. I'm relieved he's not my father. I saw too much. So, um, but on the other hand, let's think about, you know, what kids go through when they are sexually abused, what they have to, all that. I mean, I developed panic attacks, for God's sake, and, and uh, which actually I had for the rest of my life until 49. That's not the rest of my life, but it felt like it. From 9 to 49, that's 40 years. That's a long time. Yeah. And you know what? I got so freaking mad at them, they went away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I had gotten mad before... Maybe they would have gone away. Instead, I was internalizing all the garbage that you're talking about, all the sorrow, all the pain, all the hatred that I felt. And that was all a part of, you know, continuously aggravating my spirit, my soul, um, my mind, the way that I thought, and and all this other stuff. And and panics just wouldn't go away during that time. So what I did was when I got so mad in a store, where I seemed to have most, I don't know, I couldn't stand anybody looking at me, and I'd go into sheer panic mode, whatever. That's shame. I think that's from shame. 
So, because um, they used to make me feel shamed at home. It was my fault, just like you said, okay? Yeah. And, and so, yeah. So, uh, I mean, my so-called father said to me, would you do lure that poor man? Are you nuts? I'm eight years old in New York, and he's telling me I lured a man to rape me, kidnap me and rape me? So the cops took his hands and, and put him on his own steering wheel, and they actually handcuffed him to the steering wheel. And the cop said to him, he said to him, I've never in all the years that I've been a police officer ever seen anything like this. Look at your daughter, blood dripping down my leg and a mess, right? So you see, there are some good people, and I had one CPS worker who was very good, but let me tell you something, she probably was the only one, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I know what you're talking about. I want to get Lori on now. I want to get her on, and then Philip, if he wants to speak, he can speak, and then I want you to get back to where you were with about the different, uh, you know, things that you've dealt with. Okay. Lori, go ahead. I like the journey that you decided to take with all that had happened to you because you're very successful all the way around as far as I can see. Um, I'm similar to you in your childhood as far as the age thing. I was born to a pedophile, and um, he, it was an interesting uh, life um, to find out how, now how, you know, it's an everyday thing. It makes me sick, but it always really was an everyday thing. They just didn't name it back then. Mm-hmm. I don't think that these people um, are anything like, uh, a regular person would be. It's their own little. They're born with it, most of them, and they have their own clique, and it's accepted by them. So they don't think anything is wrong. And the more mm-hmm. nobody thinks anything is wrong, the less anybody's gonna tell anybody. So that's why we needed all these new things implemented. And what you're doing, and where you came from, where you are now. Um, what you're probably going to still do even more because you're young is, I think, awesome. I mean, you're, you're the best of the best right here. Yeah, Lori, thank you. And, you know, remind me, someone, if if I forget or get too, too long-winded, I want to define for you emotionally and mentally what a is. It was step one for me to get over many of the misconceptions because people will put on you. You're a dirty piss bag. Shame on you. You're guilty. It's your shame. That even followed into uh, my adult life with clergy. Many clergy will want the victim, you know, tell me what's happened in your life, you know, so that you can be a good upstanding citizen. My husband was LDS, so we attended the LDS church. We are not LDS anymore. What they did and what many men do. This is an emotional, pre-pedophilia mindset, and I, I, I want to make sure that we don't miss that because I have a feeling someone in here needs to hear it. Okay, <laughs> that could be. Are you there? Yeah. Are you there? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm having storms up here, so <laughs> I thought I lost you. You're quiet for a minute. Okay. Um, yeah, I, well, I wanted you know to get what? time for, for Philip. 
Oh, okay, yes, it is time for Philip, and I think you're right. Okay, um, Philip, is there something you'd like to ask or make a comment about? Um, have you ever done any volunteer work, Mrs. What's your name again? I do nothing but save our children. I do nothing but volunteer. I have never charged a client, and I won't. I have counseled well over 10,000 parents and young children. 50% of those were either abuse victims themselves or had just been abused. So, yes, I, I do lots of volunteer work. Cool. Yeah, I think it's cool, too. I like that. You know, so many people say to me, and probably say to a lot of people in NASCA, you do all this work, all this, I love to do research. That's not a job to me, okay? I just like doing that. But you do all kinds of research and, um, you know, all kinds of things, and you're not getting paid. Well, yes, I am. I'm getting paid in another way, okay? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a matter of choice. Yes, because of our economy today and all the stuff that's going on, um, I probably will get a part-time job. I'm going to answer phones just like I'm doing here. I'll, I'll set appointments, whatever. <laughs> They're actually looking for people like me. Um, you know, or I'll work in um, uh, answer hotline services. That's, I easily can do that. I've done it before. So, I mean, okay, but there's a lot of volunteerism. I started in the 60s. For God's sake, no, I'm sorry. It was in the 70s, in the 70s with volunteer work. And then I went into paid jobs. I had to. But I was still volunteering on the side. So, you see, I think most of us, many of us who have been abused, we do a lot of volunteer work because we don't want kids to suffer like we did. We don't. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And and with these organizations that you're speaking about, I get it. Um, You know, a lot of times they turn, they look the other way, they don't care. It's very rare if you find someone in the field, okay, because I've worked there too, in the field that where someone really does care, all they want is their paycheck. And, yeah. and a lot of them can be paid off. They can't be like that judge. I mean, come on. That was right in front of my own eyes. So, you see, uh, we live in a broken system, and it's we've had a broken system for a long time, okay. Yeah. I mean, this isn't anything new with that either. And I don't know what it's going to take to change the system if we can, okay, where people are uh, good judges or good attorneys, say, or or whatever, okay, and and the CPS workers, you know, all of them good, not just one. I said, and I laughed when I said it, one, okay, Um, because so many times they just don't care enough. And and some of them, too, are not trained well enough either. They're just simply not. Yeah, so very, very true. Well, yeah. So we have this major, major problem where we're dealing with major, major amounts of people and children, and the children aren't getting, they're, they're the ones who hurt the most, okay, because they're not getting what they need. Um, yeah. And what you were saying before, uh, with my, let's see, that was my second husband. I was married twice, <laughs> okay, and I chose poorly both times. Now, my second husband, um, he had a friend that was staying with us from New York, and um, I don't know, he left his apartment, and his wife was going to follow later on. But anyway, uh, he brought in, this guy brought in this prostitute into my house. Are you nuts? Now, I didn't know she was a prostitute at first. I didn't, I didn't know this. We were just having a normal conversation, and she said, well, it's almost time. And I said, what's that? 
Well, my daughter's nine years old. And I said, yeah, and? And she said, well, it's time for her to go out on the street. I didn't know I was talking to a prostitute, and I didn't know that she was going to put her own daughter out on the street. Now, you say that it's not unusual, you know, with mothers doing that and all this other stuff. Well, I became irate, honey. My right foot started to go. <laughs> and and I started to kick her in the leg, and I, I pushed her out the door because you cannot do that to your child, okay? That, that, see, I, I can't handle uh, stuff like that. With my mother, I took care of her until the end. And she didn't care that people were, uh, my brother was touching me and, and an uncle. What's with these uncles, all right? <laughs> I had one, too. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> you know, so she didn't care about that stuff. She didn't care about what it did to me, all right, or how it made me feel, you know, so bad. So, you know, the parents have got to be better parents. And um, she never, just like you, I never heard her say that she loved me until she was on her death gurney. I'm going to say gurney in the hallway, okay, in the mm. hospital. And it meant nothing. See, I wasn't like you. Uh, I don't even know if I answered her because she never once told me she loved me. And she never once wanted to hug me. And she told me we'd mm. never be friends. And she meant it. So. Mm. Sometimes, you know, I have a little problem with the forgiveness. I was up until 7 o'clock this morning because I'm the night owl, okay, for NASCA, and I received uh, four phone calls. I got ready to go to bed, and then the fourth phone call came in, and I, I was on the phone with that person. But, you know, I think forgiveness in with the way that I speak, okay, this is my mindset on it. Everyone can be different. But um, I don't forgive because they know what they do. And that's my problem with it. Um, they know what they're doing, and they don't care. Oh, of course they do. No. And, and really, I, this was such a blessing. Now, I've always believed, always. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how I believed, but I've always believed. It wasn't until mm-hmm. 2020 that something within that belief system changed and became incredibly real for me, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an actual experience that I had that almost, you know, it was like taking steroids for the faith. And everything just kind of started making sense. I will tell you, I am autistic. I'm on the autistic scale. Um, I, I don't pick up social cues very well. So when, when any type of abuse hits a child, especially a child that is learning disabled or has a cognition problem or is autistic, functional or not, which I'm considered a functional uh, autism victim, it, it really rode me all the way up until about 50. Am I ever going to be able to walk away? The only thing mm-hmm. I want is not to feel this pain and this crap anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I, I don't want to think about it anymore. And it was still several more years. This just happened last year when, when my mom passed away last, last May. It was mm-hmm. such a gift. It was mm-hmm. such a gift for me. It had nothing to do right. with me. It had everything right. to do with me. That for the first time in my life, everyone, no matter how put together I may sound, no matter what I have done, I was no different than any of you. Not by even a drop was I different on the inside. All those same thoughts, all those same feelings, all those same histories writing you like a, a writer on a crop, right, just beating you with it. There is something so freeing 
that once you forgive, because I think it was more letting it all go and forgiving myself as well for carrying it for so long. It was so multidimensional in thought that it took my breath away. And this last year being able to walk around as a normal human being and not have that be the first thing that I wake up to and the last thought I have at night is nothing short of a miracle for someone like me. I want all of that for every single person that listens to this. And the best way you can do it is to stand up and simply face it. This happened. Didn't you know, it's not still happening. This happened. I know what happened. I'm not crazy. I'm not lying. I'm not making anything up. These are the adults that knew. All of a sudden those adults no longer are standing on tall pillars, are they? Let's talk about the pedophile really, really quick. Many people don't understand. We, being abuse victims, probably understand more about pedophilia than most therapists. That pedophilia has no cure. There is no cure. Why? Because it is an illness of the mind. It's a mental illness. You can chemically castrate a pedophile. You can put them on all kinds of drugs, and they will still find ways to abuse a child. Okay? This is a mental cognition problem. Why is pedophilia so prolific? It is a disease of the ego. I need to conquer someone so I can feel powerful. This is the base standing of every pedophile. Why do you think they go after children? Right. They're easy to handle. They're easy to get your hands on. They're easy to scare to death and keep secrets for 20, 30, 40 years, if ever. I met a woman who was 63 the other day who had never told anybody that her grandfather raped and molested her from the time she was seven until he died. And there was something so beautiful in her just being able to say it out loud, and then she kind of caught herself and she began to cry. That's step one. Most of us have been to step one. Where I want us to be is I don't ever want you encumbered. You are not guilty. You are not shame incarnate. You are not anything other than the beautiful, perfected being God created you to be. And while you may have been taken off your path, this path was given to you so that you can rise and fall on it at your desire, at your control, at your wish. This is our road that we all walk together. And, folks, I am in beautiful beautiful company with all of you. There are many that will be for us. There will be many after us. It's what we do now at this most auspicious time in history. This topic has never been out as hard as it is now. I have been screaming at the wind for seven years. And look what is happening. Many have stood up and said, not one more, not one more child. Silent no more. We're not going to put up with this. This needs to be dealt with. And we need to snip those who could become pedophiles in the bud. We absolutely need to make sure we are citing these these, uh, men and women, these young children, uh, who have these tendencies. And we know all ten strong tendencies. The more you look into pedastry, which is someone who is post-pubescent but still under the age Mm -hmm. of 16, or you look at someone who is into infants, three months yeah. old, six months old, one year old, those who are specifically into boys and toddler. Most pedophiles have a type, and it's not usually gender, it's usually age and a specific look. Realize you met somebody's gross grocery shopping ingredient list, it had nothing to do with you. 
It had everything to do with you surviving what happened. And they can't take anything more from you ever again because it's not you that's wrong. It's them. They know they're in the wrong. It's why they hide it. It's why it feels dirty and sick and gross. There are very patented, solid, known science rationales and reasons that we all know. And instead of pedophiles being brought down, which I believe is going to wake up this America, this United States, all the good people, realizing you can mess with our money and you can mess with our energy and you can mess with our cars and our supply chain. You keep messing with our kids and you are going to wake a sleeping giant that has not been seen since World War II. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Let me that's, say something there. I agree that's, with that. That's where we're at. Hold, yes. hold that thought. Because um, I wrote a book, uh, oh my God, it was it 2010? First I wrote in 2008. They were going to make a movie out of it. Um, but then their legal department got a hold of it and said it was too volatile. Now, this is in 2008. Um, my book ended up with Author House in 2010, and um, it's been all over the world. It's been I told you that the other day. It was uh, in Japan and, and uh, down under, I don't know, all over the place. That's my payment back. I don't even need royalties. I don't know what happened to them, and I don't care. My story's out there. And um, no one can take it from me, by the way, because I am in the Library Hall of Congress, So they and I got an attorney for that. But on the other hand, the point is this. Um, from, say, 2010 to, to 2023, when I first wrote mm. my book, there was only one other book there on, on Amazon. That was mm. it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, they uh, now if you look on Amazon, my God, how many hundreds are there? You know, I, I, I don't know how many there are, okay? And then they're mm-hmm. starting to write children's books, too. So, you see, people mm-hmm. are fighting back. They're, doing, they're writing books. They do presentations like I've done many of, and I'm sure you have, too. I'm sure, you know, we do these mm-hmm. things. And, um, you know, we do anything. Uh, Lori, um, you know, she does what she does. She makes uh, all kinds of things for preemies, and she makes blankets and pillows and beautiful things, beautiful artistic work. She's wonderfully talented. You know, and we all do what we can do, you know, what we're good at, and we can help people. And we are the survivors. And I think the survivors, we the survivors, I don't care what degrees you have. I've gone to school. You have more. And, and But you know what? Uh, all the schooling that I have, uh, the best schooling for me was being a person who went through it. I was teaching yeah. the professors. They didn't know enough <laughs> about child abuse. That's the truth. Yep. Yep. And uh, then I started going to daycare centers. And they have their, you know, their thing up on the wall that they're certified. They're this and blah, blah, blah. They only had a few hours of child abuse. So I started going around the daycare centers and giving them information right from our website, for God's sake, signs to look for in child abuse. Uh, It's not always physical where you can just see bruises and stuff. Sexual, it's behavioral. We know this, okay? Mm -hmm. So, you you know, there's all these things that we can teach people. And then by doing so, if they're good parents, if they care about their children, I have to put it that way, unfortunately, but they can uh, role play. They can role play. 
And uh, because a lot of times, you know, it's not the kids so much, it's the parents. Ew, I don't want to talk about my kid. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I want them yep. to be a child for as long as they can and not be worried with that, the ways of the world. Well, that's stupid because you're doing your child an injustice. We do not live in an innocent world. We live in a very not innocent world, okay? And that's why we have kids who are, you know, being abused, and uh, they're less likely to go and, and find a kid. They'll go see a kid, and if they say certain things, or they start to scream immediately, I don't know you. Help, help, whatever they want to yell. Fire, fire, right. there you go, they'll get attention. You know, the person will turn and walk away or even run away. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. one less kid because their parents took the time to sit them down and talk to them. Okay, and that's so what's so, so important. So I yep. have seen a change in that. We teach this on NASCAR. I have a big mouth. We all know this. I teach it a lot. And But I want don't want kids to go through what we went through. So that's my way of giving back is to teach people so that they can teach their children and tell them to go on the website um, under prevention, intervention and recovery. And um, David Pittman, I use his name a lot, he wrote excellent articles about parents role playing because they feel icky about talking to their kids about stuff like this and um to get them over that so that they can say the right things um and it's age appropriate um it's mm-hmm. just well defined okay so i think that's Absolutely. one way that we can fight back or right, as parents and i do think that there has been some change we have that movie we just spoke about i know someone who's in the process of trying to make another movie i think the visual is very good um, if you have the visual where you see the movie like I just spoke about and then uh, you have the uh, documentaries, um, people don't tend to forget that. You know, years ago I saw a movie, Bas- uh, Basketball Diaries. What a wonderful movie it was. It's, it's all about mm-hmm. city and kids and drugs, and you probably even heard of it. I can't think of the actor's name. He's so well-known, stupid me, but whatever. So, um, you know, Basketball Diaries was something I saw years ago. And when kids come from homes that are terribly dysfunctional, they're going to be a big target, you know, for the pedophiles. Because like you had mentioned briefly, they walk differently, they talk differently, they hang their head, they may or may not have any friends at all. Uh, maybe they're dirty, maybe they don't have enough clothing, you know, whatever, whatever. And um, mm-hmm. that'll become mostly, mostly I say, the prey of, uh, of what a pedophile will look for. So we teach these things, and we hope that people listen. We hope that they understand and that they take it seriously and and get over themselves, okay? Mm -hmm. The parents get over themselves because we're living in a world where kids are disappearing all the time. You have here child trafficking. Um, What what can you tell us about the child trafficking part? You deal with that. Okay, here we go. Let me just lay out some stats. Let's start out with 8 million children globally go missing without a trace, never heard from again. 800,000 of those are American children not involved with family law, CPS, or any other uh, department or um, program every year since 1998. What happened in 1998? ASFA, the American Safe Family Act, went into law. Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton wrote this up and put it in. What does it do? It allows parents anywhere from 12 to 15 months to reunite with their children. 
that all by itself is a problem. At any given time, we have 450,000, remember we have a border, we have taken in, we can't find 200,000 illegal immigrant children. I work with Tara Rodas, who gave the, uh, the first report of 85,000 missing migrant children. They're not missing, they're gone. And then right. never existed. Okay, now that number is up to 200,000. Then we've got oh, is it really? Hold on, stop, stop for a second. I'm writing that down. <laughs> because I was okay. saying, just yesterday, I was saying 85,000. So now it's up to 200,000 that are missing. We're, okay, we're now I've got it. Yep. And we, we now have over 200,000 Ukrainian children that are missing, that Ukraine and Russia both are proclaiming are missing. Isn't it interesting that Lahana, we have... 2,000 children still unaccounted for, and we're missing two to 4,000, that's if they had one parent or two, missing, crying into the cameras, we want our children. This entire day and time, all of these disgusting ideologies, these, these people with supposed new ideas, transgenderism, LGBT, you don't need to know your math and write, know how you feel, and we're going to teach you how to feel. You don't need to cry when a man gets a hold of you when you're four or five years old. You're going to make him feel bad. He's a pedophile. Here in California, we're waiting for the 30-year-olds to come and start dating our one-year-old little kids. <laughs> this is where we are. You know, it, it's almost like it is absolutely the first refrain of walking right through a hell gate and into a nightmare scenario. The United States and, true, globally, the world has become hell for children. It has always been the favored sin. It is older than even prostitution is pedophilia. Why? It is a thumb in God's eye. It is taking God's precious children and hurting and subverting them, which is why we have so much child abuse, child sexual abuse. Within foster care, 88 to 92% of children, depending on which year, these are FBI stats, 2014, 2015, 2016, are trafficked either by the foster provider or the caseworker, okay? Another 85%, and mostly boys, are either raped by another person in that foster or in that group home or by the foster provider themselves. And these children are never believed and never listened to because they are wards of the state. These are true prisoners of a very sick Mm -hmm. and pedophilic war. This is what we're looking at. And it's only and that's going disgusting. to get. Yes. That's disgusting. Yes, Let's yes. stop for the second there. Because you see, once in a while, they'll have someone who's good, okay, in foster care. Think of a kid who's mm-hmm. home, okay, Pamela, think about it. And then they're being horribly abused. So then they're taken mm-hmm. away and they're put in foster care. Now, mm-hmm. I've had several people on the show that are talking just like you, and I do my own research and came up with the same thing. I have those same numbers. Um, yes, we had someone a couple of weeks ago, he's going to be on this Tuesday coming up, who gave out the same numbers about kids and foster care, how they're missing. And then mm-hmm. I came across an article where it said some only are missing like for a few hours and then they go back to the foster care system. Well, what are they doing with them? They must be having sex with them somewhere with whomever. And then they take them back and then you have, yes, those that disappear forever. Mm-hmm. So you see... This is a horrific thing, and, and people out there just don't get it, or maybe it's too mind, too much of a mind. They, they don't want their mind blown anymore. I don't know. 
Um, they're having enough trouble in their own homes, and they just figure, I have a couple family members. That's why I can say this. <laughs> They'll say, oh, oh, just don't think about it. Just don't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Don't, you know, that, that's what they lovely. do. Wouldn't yeah, that be great if we, oh, I'm just not going to think about it. I wish the human mind worked that way, but it doesn't because every no. single person who's been through abuse, your mind is forever changed. Again, this goes to murder in the spirit, mm-hmm. Title 18. Many people may not really be into the law. This is what I want every single adult survivor that listens to this to go and look up because literally there is a law for that. Where I'm taking you now is we are in a federal corpocracy. That federal corpocracy runs on children. They must continually take in more and more children in order to float these massive budgets at the county, state, and even federal level. We're at $33 trillion in debt, and yet ISS, International Social Services, which has a brand-new office of NECMEC right next to it in Tennessee, Spent in 2020, $4.3 trillion, and in 2021, spent $4.7 trillion. The United States and its taxpayers are CPS for the world. Mm-hmm. Folks, mm-hmm. this government runs on the blood of children. It yep. always has, and up until this day still does. Pedophilia is no longer a taboo. They are propping it up as a lifestyle choice or born that way. Take your pick. I I saw that. I saw that last week in an article that I found. And um, actually it started about maybe eight years ago where they were trying to make pedophilia, you know, like try to bring it into, you know, society that it's not a terrible thing. They were downplaying this and downplaying that, and it's not such an awful thing for a child. A child then is, you know, especially if it's a family member, right? Um, Well, he's just or she's just being kind and loving to the child, and the child will learn about sex in a beautiful way. Oh, my God, I wanted to puke. There you go, puke. And and so It's it's (laughs) vomit-worthy. Until now, now it's even worse. I mean, they they do have the groups that are have formed over the years, and and very recent, even more so, where they're trying to make it an okay thing for pedophiles to you know abuse children, and it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, don't get me wound up. I'm just like you, okay? <laughs> you know, and, and I just I get so I get so mad. And Lori's the same also, and, and Philip he's probably thinks a lot. But you know, the point is. Um, you know, we have all of these thoughts because, number one, we are survivors, are we not? And uh, we never saw anything cute about it. We never thought of anything sweet about it or loving, okay? Um, at least I didn't. It was always volatile. I've known nothing but violence all my life until my husband mm-hmm. passed away in 2017 because he wasn't very good either, all right? So now I've got quiet time from 2017 to 2023, and uh, at times I actually get bored. Yes, I do. <laughs> All right. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say is here that um, we live in a sick world. Children, mm-hmm. you mentioned the Bible a little bit from time to time, and and children are a gift from God. So if you mm-hmm. hurt a child, you're spitting in God's face. That's the way I look at it. Okay. Yep. That's the yep. way I see it. And uh, so to, to allow for even to even think of allowing, and yes, it is a mental condition. Um, I've mentioned this quite a few times now, but I'll bring it up in case there's someone new who's listening. 
when Oprah had next to her last show, I think it was, um, she had pedophiles on her stage. Did you see this? There was yes. no audience. Did you see that? There yes. was no audience. And uh, she had, oh, I don't know, about 10, 15 people up there. I forget. I didn't count. So they ranged, though, however, they're all men. They ranged from the age of 30 to 60. Mm-hmm. 6-0, oh, okay. And um, they had all gone to jail. Each one had their own, you know, type of sentencing. And then they, the courts insisted that they go and they get therapeutic treatment. So they had gone to therapy, and um, they ended up on her show. So here are people who had gotten therapy and also had done prison time, and uh, they were very honest. I'll give them that. And one was castrated, by the way, the oldest Mm -hmm. one, the 60-year-old. He was the one that was castrated. Um, Mm -hmm. But she said to them, is there... Are there any are there any of you who feel like you're safe to be around children now? You've gone to jail, mm-hmm. you've had therapy. Please raise your hand. Not one raised their yep. hand. Yep. Not one. Yep. Okay, there you go. Yep. So, you know, it's just uh you cannot you cannot heal a pedophile. I was down in a mm-hmm. place in, in a southern Jersey who housed um pedophile boys and uh, I mean boys they were teenagers because they claim Mm -hmm. that by the time you're 14 I think it is um, between 14 and 15 you can tell that you're different Mm-hmm. You're, you're not lusting after teenage girls like, you know, kids do. <laughs> you know, remember the good old days? You had all these feelings, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, but instead, you're lusting after, you know, you're lusting after, you know, I can't say because I'm laughing at myself. I amuse myself all the time, I do. But they want little kids. They want little kids. They mm-hmm. don't want, to, you know, someone their own age, but they won't usually do anything, usually, unless it's in the family. If you have a, a pedophile child, it's, you know, young child, young adult in the family, and a younger sister, that sister's going to be in trouble. I was. They might have had my brother. Right. Now you saw about it that way. That's right. Let, so, me, but, let me make yeah. clear, though. There are very few, just as there are very few Munchausen by, by proxy, that's about mm-hmm. less than 1% to 3% of a global population, yet CPS uses it constantly to take children out of the home. The same can be said when we're talking about pedophiles. There's only 1% to 3% that are, quote-unquote, natural-born, and really that's mm-hmm. not so much natural-born as that's many different control and abuses upon that child as a trauma so that when they grow up, the only people they can truly control our children. Mm-hmm. That's what gets them off, if you will. That's what excites the mind, that gets the adrenaline gland going, it gets that pituitary gland going, and when they have a climax, it is a mental one more than a physical one. Many of Got what it. they're doing physically, they're running even grosser things in their head of what they're going to do the next time. Just like a bad porn addiction. Many people who have been abused, uh, half of us will either become very frigid and want nothing to do with anything that has to do with, with sex or we become very private about it. The other half, like myself, I became very bombastic within my, my sexuality. I was not going to hide it. I was going to own it. And I think that has more to do with me fighting back at 17 and saying, enough is enough. You know, I, I would rather die. You're, you're not going to do this to me anymore. When we look at pedophiles, 
the minute your quarry, your prey, turns on you, there literally there are pedophiles who have peed down their leg at a 12-year-old boy going, you're not going to do that to me anymore. The jig mm-hmm. is up. Mm-hmm. This is why they stick with children and why pedophiles also become murderers or serial murderers yeah. because mm-hmm. they don't want that child to ever grow up and they can keep that memory as a trophy for the rest of their life. That's right. That's exactly right. I know about that. When I was going back and forth to, to Staten Island, even when I was, uh, had moved out of New York, okay, but my friends and I would go hang out in Staten Island, and uh, we'd, we'd shoot pool, a whole bunch of us. We had a good time. But every mm-hmm. time we'd go through the toll booth, okay, there were pictures of little kids that were missing, okay? Mm-hmm. And then and some of them, uh, there was actually pictures of, uh, I was surprised they had it like that. They had pictures of those that were murdered. They found murdered. So you mm. see, this does happen. They they mm-hmm. they become they are pedophiles oh, mentally. Okay, they're, me- they're they're messed up, and you can't mm-hmm. fix them. And then they get into the teenage years. They get into the uh, older years. Or, you know, the younger years, the older years, whatever. And then yes, they want that trophy. And they yep. yes, that's quite right. So those kids that I'm looking at, and I can still remember their faces as we're going through the toll booth. I'll never forget the faces of the little girls that they had found. And you're right, it doesn't always have to be girls, but the, these were girls, had been found murdered. And they were mm. saying more or less that, you know, the ones that did that did this, okay, with the other kids that, that they had posted. So mm-hmm. they don't do that very often. They probably don't ever do it again. And you see, I believe in exposing people. I have a peeper, okay, and I have it on Facebook. My ring picked it up. And Lori knows she saw it. So what I believe is is absolutely, for the, even for the safety of the people, for the neighborhoods, for the community, if, if you have even a person who is a peeping Tom, okay, um, yep. they used to say for years, now you know this and I know this, and I just found this out even more a couple of days ago, um, they never looked at them. They thought they were just a nuisance, okay? Now they're, yeah. they're saying just the opposite. They are not just a nuisance. Instead, instead, they are um, a danger to society, and they can murder. Correct. So there you just go. Just we see uh, 9 to 14-year-old boys torturing uh-huh. and killing animals, is the prefactor of a sociopath that could become a psychopath and a serial killer. We That's know right. this. We have all of this information. This is not new. What's sad mm-hmm. is all of that new, uh, the new indoctrination information is overshadowing. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they want to disrupt society in such a way that we will take any solution that they give us. Mm-hmm. Sadly, that solution will not include freeing our children from pedophiles, freeing our children from forced sexual indoctrination within their their public schools. And, folks, when you're showing a four-year-old how to insert a butt plug, I'm thinking that's fairly explicit, okay? When you've got seven- to nine-year-old little girls having dildo races and and, and trying to put condoms on them, this is not even Mm. something we did in high school when I was growing up. This has now become teaching children how to be screwed by an adult. And what that's that right. adult wants, that that's kills right. that child's spirit the minute. And I, I can't imagine our, our eldest daughter is a teacher. These teachers mm. don't want to tell your children how to get off. 
These teachers are not there to teach your child how to be sexually active, and that's exactly what the sexual exploitation of the PG-13, plenty gross, for anyone. Many of these parents who are bringing these books forward and reading them in these various boards, they don't want you reading them because the books are that explicit. Well, if it's that explicit and adults don't want to hear it, why are we allowing our, our children? This is where parents, uncles, aunts, grandparents, This is where we stand up and make our voices known. You are not going to infect my little girl's head or my little boy's head with this garbage because it's Mm -hmm. what it is. It's pure garbage. But it's all right for them to mutilate their bodies. It's all right to mutilate their bodies, okay, and turn their sexuality, turn them into something that they shouldn't be because that's not what they were. Let's let's hear from Lori. Go ahead. I know she wants to say something. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, This is like a true horror story. I mean, I can relate so much. I know. Yeah, everybody, like, people really are like that. Um, I'm just glad that it is out. Um, Today, the strangest thing I saw in um, Weiss, actually, um, one of the food stores, they had Mm -hmm. pinups of murdered children, and they had... It's the same kind of flyer of missing children right on the board where everything else is. It was the first time that I've ever seen anything so exposed like that. So, you know, at least it's it's moving, it's slow. Everything is moving too slow, um, but it's moving, you know. And what you're doing, what we're doing, and everybody else out there in their own way and whoever they can help us. One one child is, is enough to help. Um, the neighborhoods that know what's going on, which is where I came from and why I moved, one of the reasons I moved, because everybody was just like, oh, this is just the way it is. And I'm oh. like, no. Yeah. yeah, they accept it. And in my neighborhood, there was a location right back in school um, where the prostitutes hang out. Everything is out in the open. You know, you don't have to do anything you want. Teachers, there are so many that are pedophiles. And I knew this um, from when my brother was in school. One of his teachers was. And, mm-hmm. you know, now and now they know each other who is and whatnot. I know through just looking um, at somebody's eyes if they're a pedophile or not. I've been able to do this ever since I was younger. You know, we have yep. this thing in our brain that just goes into sync. We know. We can read eyes. We can read mannerisms. So there's signs out there. Parents who don't teach their kids all these signs, and they're still, like, too old to even, like, get it, or they're too young parents, and they accept it because that's how they came to be. So it's a big cycle that's going on all over and, and all kinds of different things in there. But thank God, finally, it's out. It's out in the open. It needs to be brought out, like, even more. I want more movies out there. I mean, Carol definitely should be there. You should be. Everything should be out and be accessible to everyone and anyone who wants it. And I think it should be included in the school as a course for little kids, Mm -hmm. daycare, Mm -hmm. even preschool, Mm -hmm. even before that, because this is what happens. And to tell you the truth, I'm tired of reading about these little babies that they make one year old and just from sexual abuse, they're dead. You know, that's the group of people that I deal with. And it's horrible. 
it is just totally horrible. So your nightmare that you're describing tonight is is excellent the way you're doing it. I'm sorry for that everything that happened to you and put you on this pathway, but you're the right person and um to voice it, just like Carol is. So I'm glad you came on. Oh, thank you, Lori. I really appreciate that. And I do want everyone to know it's not just your little daughters, your granddaughters that you need to talk to. Ladies and gentlemen, boys have always been the number one victim. Girls, too, but the boys are just as high, just as we now have female pedophiles. Granted, they usually go after 12 to 16-year-olds, but there are ones that go for the infants and the, and the toddlers. Women are no longer a safe gender just because they're female. We must now look at our populace differently. Absolutely, yeah. I've done a lot of reading on that, and I've I've learned that just from what I've read. And, you know, um, you don't like to think of little tiny babies, but I I explained this, what was it, Lori, a couple weeks ago, I think it was, whatever, when I was doing a topic night show. And um, they think, uh, well, how could they use a little tiny infant, okay? How could they, you know, use sex for that? And I say, well, assuming, okay, and hoping that they're not trying to enter this poor child because they would kill it, right, kill the child. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what they do is uh, what, it, what children do with their tongues, little babies. They go, la, 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 la. <laughs> I said, I feel yeah. silly doing this, <laughs> you know. But, you know, um, and, and they rub against that, okay. Yeah. This is how sick these people are. I worked in Greystone Psychiatric. I did. Mm-hmm. And I worked mm-hmm. with the murderers. I worked with the sociopaths and the psychopaths. And, and uh, that place is now closed down and do- torn down. In fact, it has been since 94 because it had asbestos in it. So if, it was from the 1800s that building was built. I love to look at all those buildings. It was like uh, watching a movie, just looking at the buildings, right? They looked like castles or something. They had to come mm-hmm. down. Everybody was getting mm-hmm. sick, myself included. <gasps> you hear that? That's yeah. my lungs. <laughs> now, for, for those who uh, like, like Carol just mentioned, what on earth are they yeah. doing with babies? Not until they, about they... a child's about about 12 months to two months, uh, I'm sorry, two years, um, mm-hmm. that they will enter. This. There's something called, and I want everyone who hears this to look it up, panda yep. eyes. This is where you are so viciously anally raped at a young age that your capillaries in your orbitus of your eyes Looks like a rhinoceros punched you twice. They puff up their entire face. This happens. It is something that even Hollywood and the entertainers make fun of. Look up panda eyes. I guarantee you their signs and symbols not only are going to show them for who they are, there are FBI signs and symbols for little boy lover, little girl lover. Familiarize yourself with that. You'll be shocked in how many different brands you will see these symbols as well in certain faiths. Also, look at places like Balenciaga and other places like it that make S&M bondage and clothing for women, men, and children. This is so much in our faces and out more, but for whatever reason, the normal American consumer is not seeing it quite yet. The news, sure, that's great. That's maybe edifying about 40% of our populace. The rest needs to get out. And how does that happen? That happens by us. 
We're not here by accident. You were chosen. It may have been an awful path, but I guarantee you, you were chosen because you now have specialized understanding within a topic that nobody really wants to understand. It is now incumbent upon each of us to make sure the world understands with me around that's never going to happen to any child in my purview. And if it does, God help the son of a gun who thought they could get away with it because you've just murdered that child's spirit. And that child is now going to go on a lifelong quest for help, as we all have. That's so, 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 so true. You know, we don't talk too much about religion on this show. However, I do get little jabs in there. I'm not the only one. <laughs> okay. But... um Look, again, we are, you know, created from God. God made uh, the children their gifts. And when you hurt that child, you do break their spirit. It's like with a dog. I, I don't want to use this as an example exactly. But it, and you've heard it so many times before. You keep kicking a dog. You keep hitting, hitting a dog because and, and, you don't like the dog. Well, what are you doing with the dog, all right? You know what I'm saying? I happen to love animals, all right? And, but you kick the spirit. You, you break the spirit of that animal. Yep. That's what you do. And when you do the same thing to a child, yes, when you do the mm-hmm. same thing, those people belong in jail. I'm sorry, I can't stand the thought of anybody doing that. And the same thing with the children. If you're abusing them physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, or you're neglecting them, you're breaking their spirit. The emotional abuse that comes through to children, you're not smart, you're not pretty, you're not good-looking mm-hmm. if you're a guy. Whatever it is, you're never going to amount to anything. There's a biggie. You're never going to amount to anything um, because uh, it's just not going to happen, Okay. So um, I, I proved my family wrong because I, I'm, I'm a fighter. Yep. And if I don't like people and they say something mean to me, I punch them in the nose. Ask Lori, she'll tell you. Okay? <laughs> I get mad. Bang! <laughs> because, you know, let me tell you what. I have been through so much. We all have. We don't take measuring sticks here on, on NASCA. But if someone is abusing me, whether it's sexually or or, or verbally or whatever, something goes in my brain, <laughs> and I'll go, bang, see the heck with you, okay? Because I wasn't put on this earth. I wasn't put on this earth to be abused. None of us were, okay? Right. None of us. Absolutely. And, right. And, and I, I do believe in, in uh, standing up for my rights, our rights. We talk about mm-hmm. it on NASCA. We have a right to be happy. We have a right to be productive. We have a right to be loved. We have a li- the right to love. We're, we're just like anyone who hasn't been abused. They have their rights. We have our rights, and they're the same, okay? And that doesn't make right. us less than a person because we have mm-hmm. gone through so much. If anything, it makes us a little bit smarter, okay? Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. truth. If you live through it, you're a little bit smarter because we can teach the people and, and hopefully, I like to say, put a dent in the statistics of child abuse to help do that. But then, like what you bring up so beautifully, what you've said so beautifully, and it's so, so, so true, with the government the way that it is, with all the different departments, uh, satellite divisions of uh, CPS, uh, DIFAS, all, all of them, all of them, all of them. If you don't have good people in that, and the foster care system, horrific, if you don't have good people in that, all right, then our children are going to continue to be abused and to be lost, to be missing. Don't forget, they like to take the kids out there 
and they want to sell their organs, that's one way also. They mm-hmm. they may rape them. They may rape them first, strangle them, and then they cut their organs out. And, and we have unscrupulous, you know, uh, people out there like the black market. And then also, too, you know, just the regular hospitals, they they need those organs. They don't care where they come from, and they don't care. They don't question how they got there. You put them on that's ice, right. you fly them out to the hospitals, and that's what's going on. Now, that's not okay. new, but it's gotten much worse now, okay, again. I worked with a, a great gal up in Washington State, and she said mm-hmm. this. Oh, gosh, it was the year that I started uh, Save Our Children. A drug, a, a drug dealer can only sell that mm-hmm. drug once, and then he has to go back and get more. A child, you can sell time and time and time again, and when it becomes sick, or, or can't be sold for sex anymore, you can still sell it for a snuff film, which run about $10,000, and the elite do change them like baseball cards. And <sighs> then when that child dies, but you've already made money off that snuff film and, and sales of it, now you can part it out and sell the organs. You can sell mm-hmm. a child over and over and over, you know, and yet what are we still focusing on? Marijuana. What are we still focusing on? Alcohol. What's the the biggest epidemic going on right now? Not just fentanyl, but trank and every other machination of it. Folks, mm-hmm. people don't self-medicate unless there's a problem. Nobody goes out and mm-hmm. says, hey, I feel great. I think I'll go do some drugs. Many mm-hmm. of the people who are drug addicts today were our abused children that never had a voice. That's when I right. stood up for my first child, I looked at my husband and said, what kind of woman and what kind of force could I have been in this world if somebody would have stood up for me? And that is my mantra, and that is what I stand upon to this day. With my last breath, until this topic is taken care of, until we have a good fix for this, I will continue to do this up until with my last breath. I absolutely will. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's how many of us, you know, who are dedicated um, you know, on NASCA feel, we feel that passion. Mm-hmm. We still have that passion. Or like uh, with Rocky there, the eye of the tiger, <laughs> okay? <laughs> we we have that. <laughs> we want to go out and we want to try to save children and, and, and teach and teach parents who do care. I hate putting it that way, but people, the ones that do care so that they can keep their children safer, okay, safer. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Lori, we're almost done here. And um, is there, I'm going to give you the last few minutes, um, you know, to uh, leave behind a message for the people. This was a wonderful show. And you are so gifted. You are gifted, oh. okay? And well, you have so you. much information. I thought I had a big mouth with all this stuff. You got a bigger one. <laughs> you know, I learned a couple <laughs> things from you tonight. Yes, I did. And I love it oh. because I love to learn. And then I can share it with the people, and I'll say, Pamela said, okay, <laughs> that's what I'll do. <laughs> I do that. But um, what, would you, what, would you, what would you leave with the, uh, the audience tonight that have listened and are going to listen later on because it's Friday night? They'll, they'll listen later on, a lot of them. What would you say to them about this world that we're living in and, and the hope for the children? I only have two things to, to leave with you. The first one is the most important. I love you. I love each and every one of you, no matter how depressed, how small, how big, how big your, your, your account of your bank is or how small. We are all 
brothers and sisters to each other here. It's not like I've got three arms and four heads. We all have one head, two arms, two legs, two eyes, and one brain. That makes you part of my family. I love my family. I want the best for my family. And the best thing you can do is show up when that family needs you. I want that spirit to exist within you. I want that spirit to explode when someone says, can you help me? If you help one person, just one in your entire life, you have done your job and you have been blessed and gifted. Number two, we are getting ready to walk into a time where many people are about to be slapped with a brick upside the head. I have worked tirelessly. I've not taken a vacation. I have not gone out to dinner. I barely go out to movies. I don't have a life. I have done this solely for seven years. It was put upon my heart as I laid in bed, rotting away, and a voice that was not my own said, if I ask you to do this for me, will you do it? And before I could even define what that was, my heart was screaming yes, while my head was desperately trying to figure out how a disabled woman who couldn't even shave her own legs, much less walk, was going to save anyone. I couldn't even save myself. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I was beaten down. I was beaten down and thought I was done. Not true. You are a gift. Breath of God lives within you. You are magnificent. You are needed. You are loved. That was beautiful. Okay. And, you know, a lot of us had have had, you know, I, I wish that people had had some of the experiences that I've had. Okay, I'm talking about the good ones, not the bad ones, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the, the hand on my shoulder in a darkened room with the door locked. And I thought my mother had come in and she'd beat me if she saw me praying, okay? I was praying for one of my friends who was being trafficked out in Newark and over into New York. And mm. um, we thought she was a goner. I felt a hand on my shoulder, but I thought my mother had maybe a skeleton key or something. She came in and I was expecting to get hit and I jumped up. Oh, no, no. That was an angel. I believe that was an angel. And you know what? That girl who had been missing for two to three weeks, and was working on three weeks, um, was found within hours after that. Yes, she was shot up with all kinds of, she had marks everywhere. She had scars. I mean, she was just a mess. But um, she's alive, okay? And she worked out well, okay? She's fine. So you see... When you, when you have, I, I wish everybody could go through stuff like that, and then they would see why, you know, we have the passion that we have. And then, too, um, you know, we we believe in God because there's a reason for it. The very fact that we're still alive, for God's sake, um, is, mm-hmm. is a good uh, thing right there, okay? But mm-hmm. um, you sparked something in me that I wanted to, um, you know, to, to share and I know Lori, she's seen certain things also. There's some of us on NASCAR who have, okay, who have. And and uh, I think it's our mission, our purpose. You know, I, I, that's what I believe. And I was the oh, only absolutely. one in my, well, I, I was the only one in my family that wasn't an atheist, right? My mother said she was a witch, <clears throat> and I believe she was. <laughs> Look at how she behaved. <laughs> I believe it. Oh, yes. So, you know, whatever, but whatever turns you on, you want to be a witch, go ahead. But, um, no, you know, I um, I had my experiences, and you just spoke about yours. And, Lori, 
Lori has died a couple times. I know that. Mm. She uh, she's had terrible operations and all kinds of stuff, and um, I don't know if she wants to talk about it or not. But you know, the point is, we do we do have our experiences, and we can share them, and we can give people hope that way too. And I, I will say, with my husband, as he was passing away. Um, he passed away in my arms, and I did say uh, a prayer that he and I would agree on because he was Jewish and I'm a Christian. What a riot. So anyway, um, many conversations about that. But anyway, um, he looked at me and he goes, Carol, Carol, Carol. And the look on his face was like that of like that of an angel. I said, what do you see? Because I'm Snoopy. I want to know, okay? <laughs> what do you see? What do you see? And and um, and. He didn't say anything. He just fell down and, and very carefully passed, very carefully, very quietly passed away. But he had a smile on his face. He had a smile on his face. I go, wow. Okay. Well, I know so a lot of we... people that go that go through what we do was angry at God for a very long time. Why did you let this happen to me? What on earth? What kind of a God lets this stuff happen? Oh, you sound I like my mother. Like... That's what she'd do. Right. I wasn't mature enough to understand, and we need to understand that when we've been abused, we've been stunted. So we have to let that stunted part grow and mature as it normally would. That doesn't mean you do it my way. No, no, we are unique individuals. You do whatever it is you need to do to get yourself whole again because you were chosen. You were chosen to carry this awful burden. Thank God we carried it and not some other innocent child that would have been broken completely by it. It's the only gift that I can tell people who have not yet quite gotten to for forgiveness, but there is hope on the other side of this. Yes, you can walk out of this and never think of it again and never have it ride you again. I'm available to you. If you ever need me, you can find me on Telegram on FEN, F-E-N. That is Free Eagle Network. We also have a free Substack. You can also find Save Our Children News. It is also there on uh, Telegram. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm, I'm there under Save Our, Our Children News as well. Please reach out. Send me a DM. You can send me an email at saveourchildrenca, as in the abbreviation for California, at gmail.com. I would love to get to know you guys. Well, I think you're wonderful. And I'm going to put that on Facebook, our Facebook. And uh, it was a wonderful show. And uh, I thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, you can come on any time you want, okay? You can be on the panel, or um, I'll probably have you on again, you know, if, if I'm here, um, uh, in a year's time, okay? All right? So that's what we Beautiful. usually do. We bring people back on, okay? So anyway, I want to say good night because I'm past our – I don't think we're being recorded anymore, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but this is scan number 3280 for your information, and you can find that right over to the right-hand side of the screen. You're the, t- you're the last one. It's Friday. You're the last one. So that's your show right there. Okay, three two eight zero, and and there you go, the first one. Click on to it, and you'll hear everything that we said. All right. Great. Thank you so much for having me, and God bless you all. God bless you too. Good night now, and good night everybody. Have a good, safe weekend. Good night, Lori. I'll talk to you later, honey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bye bye. Good night. Good night, man. Okay. Oops. Love tomorrow Cause I 
Radio. Not a good show. 